0: You're listening to audio from The Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about The Village or to connect with us, you can find
1: us online at myvillagechurch.com. Today's vocal passage is in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. We invite you to turn there as well. If you don't have Bibles, I believe we have Bibles over there. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. You all can be seated, and children can be dismissed to their classes at this time.
0: Thanks, Dave. Anybody heard the word abide in a normal conversation that many times in your entire life? Cool. Just checking. My name is Michael. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. I'm going to pray and then we are going to uh we're going to chat about abiding for about 45 minutes. God, thanks for your goodness and your grace. Thank you that you do all that you do through normal means like this gathering together, singing as your people in response to all of the work that you've already done and all of the love that you've already given. And all of the sacrifice that you've already taken upon yourself and and all that we get to do then is come together and and scatter out as we do in response to all of the work that you've done. The simple thing that we get to read your word, get to process it together, get to sit under it and be transformed by it, by the power of your spirit. What a gift and just the normal means by which you change us. Would you show us today that that only those who are near to you can produce the fruit that only comes from you? Would you conform us to be your people today? Would you change us that we might live the fullness of life? Thank you for grace. Thank you for this people gathering together, singing and praying in your name. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. So I, I want you to try to do something, a little crowd participation here for a second. I want you to try to hiccup, if you can. And I'll wait. And don't, like, fake. Don't make the sound that hiccup makes. I want you to try to, like, hiccup. I'll wait. Can you turn the crowd mics up? Do we even have those? I I didn't hear anything. Okay, I got something else for you. So this may or may not be offensive. I know this means something to some of you in different ways than it does others, but just try to just grow your hair just for a second, just right now, and I'll give you just five seconds. Just sprout some hair. Okay, good work. Some of you are like, wow, this is really working. This is great. Um, one more thing. Just I, I just want This isn't weird sorcery stuff, but just try to levitate. Try to just overcome gravity just for a second, I'll wait, okay? You can no more do those things by mere willpower than, than you can walk in godliness. You, you can no more do those things by just sheer determination than you can produce the fruit that only comes from the Lord. That's what Jesus is telling us. Like, you can't do the things that I'm inviting you into without me. That's what he would want us to know today. He uses the word fruit, and some of you, that might be confusing. Fruit is is evidence of what type you are. And it's pretty simple agriculture, apple seed, apple tree, apple. (laughs) Peach, seed, tree, the fruit of a peach. Grapes, which, and all this vine stuff, they're probably talking about grapes. Plant a grape, grows a vine, produces grapes. And what, what he would want us to know, what, he, what he's connecting all that to is, is that if, this is what type you are. If you are the Lord's, for those of you who are the Lord's, you will produce fruit in your life, that reflects the nature of God. That's, that's what he's telling us. Here's what I mean by this. Con- consider the what in the way that Jesus calls his people to live. Consider what he invites us into, and even the motivation to live it out. Like, I could give you a list of 10 million things, but, but a-, a couple. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Two ears, one mouth, right? <laughs> Be slow to get angry. And then you think about your life, and you're like, oh, shoot. What about something else like like love God? Okay. Love others? Love one another? Oh, gosh, I love these people. You're easy to love. Love your neighbor? Okay, like a bit of a challenge. Love your enemy. That's all you have to do, really, that's the invitation of Jesus, like love up, love out. Love the Lord and love the most vile of sinners. And you say, wow, that's, that's tough. What, what else? He says, live consistently in word and deed. Don't let your words condemn you by living in a way that's hypocritical or contrary to what you say, or even the judgment that you, that you put upon others, make sure that your life uh, isn't found guilty even by your own words? What about care for the poor? What about live generously? What about don't gossip, don't covet, don't commit adultery, don't steal? All the things, do all these things. And the invitation is, is for us as God's people. Now, look, here's the thing. I, I know that, uh, that not everyone is, is a follower of Jesus here. And we're super glad that you're hanging out with us today, for real. And you're maybe figuring it out, or maybe someone promised you a great meal after this. I don't, I don't know why you're here, but but I get it, and and I get the struggle of life. And, and most of us, all of us, have have like walked through that. So so there are people. You're not a follower of Jesus. You've never come to the end of yourself and said, "I'm good enough." you never laid that aside and said, I'm turning from myself to save me before the Lord, to forgive me of my sin, and I've trusted Christ and Christ alone. You've never done that. I, I, I understand that. I hope today that you that you reconsider or you continue to consider what that looks like for your life to be a his life. But for those who are in Christ, but, but for those who have made that commitment to follow Christ, Jesus hears the question at the base level, how can I be faithful and fruitful? Like that, that is a fair question. Because it, it just feels hard sometimes. Like, and in, in follow, Jesus says, follow me. And at one point you said, I, I will, Lord. And it feels like you're like chasing him through the, uh, a trail in the woods and, and he, he makes a turn and you're like, where did he go? I'm trying to follow, but it's it's really hard. I feel like I'm falling back in my life. It doesn't look like the life of Jesus. And so how can I be faithful and fruitful? How can I obey and, and love and proclaim his nature to, to everyone else? How can I do these things? And, and here's a, a little clue. It, it isn't by just trying harder to do good things. If you thought that your life in Jesus was just be disciplined and determined enough, devoted to the good things of God enough, then that would be enough to carry you through? That's not it. That, that's not the invitation. And, and, and it isn't by, okay, you got me. Uh, it isn't by just signing up, to a, a boring, unsatisfied, joyless, stuffy, uh, if not annoying, uh, obligation of a devoted life. Okay, that I'll do that. Okay. That that's not the invitation that Jesus offers us when he says follow me. It's not stuffy, obligated, boring, joyless, unsatisfied. But what it is, how do we live a faithful, fruitful life? What Jesus tells us here is, is you do that by being near to Jesus. That's it. And your life in Christ, it, man, it's so much bigger than, than all of that in a thousand ways. But day in, day out, for moments or minutes or days or weeks or months or years or or decades, or lifetimes, get this right, be near to Jesus, that that's the invitation, only those near to Jesus can produce fruit that only comes from him, that's what he tells us today, and so we see that in several ways, and man, we're hanging out in John 15, and there's a lot to be said, I won't say it all, and we'll hop around, there are only two points, but the second point has like Thirty-six subpoints. <clears throat> so get your pins ready, right? Um, the first thing that we see is this: the, fa- the faithful life is a fruitful life. This is the way Jesus says it. In the first six verses in, in John 15, he says, "I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser." Farmer, if you will. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, kind of like when you cut your hair because you have dead ends and you want it to grow, right? That's, that's what pruning does agriculturally. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a life anthem right there. <laughs> Jesus telling us, without me, you can, you can do Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. The faithful life is a fruitful life. Now, the word abide is used, I I think, 10 times in these seven verses in John. The word fruit is used eight times in these 17 verses. So I'm just going to take the next 30 minutes, and we're just going to talk about what does that mean, right? Is that fair? But abide in Christ is like John's version of what Paul writes and Paul says that, that we are in Christ so, so what do we do, modern day American-ish, right, in this room what do we do when we talk about someone who's following Jesus we, we would say like, I am a say it with me, I'm a Christian that's what we'd say, and that's fine, it means something but then maybe you'd be like, but are you like really a Christian? Like, oh, you're like, check, I am Christian, as if it's like an ethnicity. Yep, that's me, yep, yep, born and raised, okay? But then it's like, yeah, but but are you following Jesus? And what Paul would say is, is are you in Christ? And that's, if you hear me week after week after week, that's the way that I usually describe people who are following Jesus. Like, uh, they're, they're in Christ, because there's this unity that has to happen. So he's, he, it's similar, but he says, that, that you must abide in Christ. So it's like a descriptor of the type of tree, the type of plant, the type of vine, the type of person you are. Are you in Christ? Are you abiding in Christ? Hey, man, that's great. I, I saw. That. Are, are you a follower of Jesus? All these things, similar, right? Abide literally means to stay or remain, to wait for, to remain in, to continue to exist, to keep on, to continue in. And so when you have the uh the analogy I'll say that again stay remain to wait for to remain in to continue to exist Kim did you get that Kim's a note taker I appreciate that um so so he's talking about a literal vine and and the branches that come off of that vine, Jesus is this. And the other things, that's us. That's the branches. That's the things coming off. And they're part of it. So they're nourished by the root that is Christ and the, the vine that is Christ. And, and we bear fruit that is Christ. But, but we're part of the process. And in another place, we talk about being grafted in. And so there's some splicing and some weird stuff. But, but the essence is this. It's very simple. If you're part of me, then you will produce the fruit of me. And if not, then you'll you get withered and dry and break off. And it sounds really like heavy, but you think about walking in, a, in a, your, you know, your backyard and you pick up branches and you throw them in the, the brush pile or the fire pile and you burn them. Very simple stuff. That's what he's saying. Apart from me, that's what you are. You're, you're, you're uh, a broken, brittle branch that's, that's only good to be burned up. So the father is the vine dresser. There's like some some Mr. Miyagi, maybe you're familiar with him, maybe not, karate kid way back in the day, or maybe not so far back in the day, but there's this older guy, he's he's a Japanese man, and he's very patient, and I'll tell you this, the greatest compliment I've ever received personally in my entire life was when I I was a high school science teacher and... There were, um, there were some kids that were, you know, like, my day was better when they weren't there, you know? <clears throat> and this one guy, uh, he just, like, every day just tested and pushed. And I would, like, not, you can scratch this from the record, but I would just, I would not murder him. And that was, win, that was a win for the day, you know? <laughs> and, um, and one day he said, Mr. Graham, you have the patience of a, of a 90-year-old Japanese man. Look, and like if you're Japanese or you're 90 years old, 90. Years, I, th- I think that's an encouragement. And I just remember thinking like, wow, like I won today, you know? Maybe not tomorrow the day before. So so you have the father, the, the farmer, the vine dresser, and there's some Miyagi work. If you know anything about Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi, he was an older man and he was always Clipping this bonsai so much that you're like, how was anything left? Because he's just always clipping it. Like, but the bonsai, and he's just always making it just right, and he's patient, and he doesn't get like shaken by all the other stuff going on in his life. And so we have this Miyagi work from the hand of God in gardening his people. And man, even those that that bear fruit, man, you might get a clip here or there, so that you might bear. More fruit that, that you might live an abundantly fruitful life. This vine image is uh, it's it's used throughout the scriptures and in the Old Testament, Israel is, is often referenced this way, and they are judged for being a fruitless vine. In Isaiah, that happens repeatedly, and in other places. And sometimes they they bear no fruit, and sometimes they they bear wild grapes which is like you're not that's that's not what we're trying to it's, it's not what we're trying to do here right and so they're judged for that the lord judges them like his wrath is against them for that so so there's no doubt that israel is in mind when jesus is saying these words at least in part but but also he has a longer gaze on his disciples and then then even for us as the holy spirit has inspired these words so that we might read them even today all this is true for for the people of old and the people in the room that Jesus was with and and even for the people in this room. J.C. Ryle, he explains abiding in Christ this way. He says, To abide in Christ means to keep up a habit of constant close communion with him, to be always leaning on him. It's what Jesus is saying that we should do to him, resting on him pouring out our hearts to Him and using Him as our fountain of life and strength, as our chief companion and best friend. That's that's the life that we're brought into. So what's the call? The call is to abide in Christ. And the warning is if you don't, you won't bear fruit, and if you don't bear fruit, you'll be cut off. Now that's like debated. What what does that mean to be cut off? And smart people with with uh, big brains and big libraries they debate this type of thing. But basically, th- there's some uh, like maybe eternal rewards are removed, or or maybe life is literally snuffed out in in divine judgment from the Lord. But but. It's not a good thing, right? And others are pruned, they're challenged by the word. Legitimate followers are transformed by being near to Jesus and they yield fruit, right? That's what we get to do. So the call to abide in, it, it means that we must be near to him, that, that when we are squeezed that we gush his glory, and this isn't something that happens in a line. You might think, man, I, I trust Jesus and everything around me gets better and, and I get better and I start doing all the things and, and, and it just doesn't happen that way. Like we are justified in a moment when we become sons and daughters of the king. But, but the word sanctified is, is us being conformed to the image of Jesus and that happens through a lifetime. And so there's this encouragement that says that we are being made into the image of Jesus it's it's not a one time it's not a stamp and then we just robotically live for the glory of Jesus it's a relationship and that means that that we struggle to do that so the call to abide it means that we get to be near and when we're squeezed we gush his glory we we bleed his blood we're so connected to him that that like you know you ever uh, see where you put the the white carnation in the water and you put food coloring in there and then the carnation drinks that red dye or purple or blue or whatever dye, and then that color changes the color of the carnation that's that's us that's 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 the invitation, or maybe you've been up to Yellow Springs, and they have like or they used to I'm guessing they do they have like this field of sunflowers that goes on it's never stops I think it just goes on forever. And when you're driving by, you're just like, and you just, if you see it, you're just like, my goodness, like it's so beautiful. And so, so the, the outworking of, of what this is saying is, is you plant one of us, you, you plant one of us and, and we grow into fields for his glory that that his people, like the church, we get to be like a field of sunflowers and, and all anyone can see when they drive by is, is his glory and his character and his nature and his design and, and Christ's obedience and the fullness of life. That's what he's saying we get to do when we abide in him. Fruit is, is multi-layered. It, it doesn't mean just one thing. Whatever you think it means, like okay, I have to, I have to do the, the fruit thing. And maybe you've heard like the fruits of the Spirit, which are really good indicators of what's going on inside of us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. So we can look in areas of our life where those things are, are like out of whack and not visible and we can say, gosh, it's probably, probably a place where I'm not trusting Jesus. It's where the Spirit's not at work in me. But it's, it's more than... Than just that. In fact, our life in Christ is the fruitful life, and that fruit is more than just a list of, of spiritual fruit. It's, it's making the invisible nature of the kingdom visible by the way that we live and love up and out every day in every way. That's what it looks like to, to live a fruitful life. And all that is, is nothing that we can do on our own. So what that means is, if you want to be more patient, gosh, I've just been getting so angry, and I want to be more patient, it, it means this, stop being so concerned with not being angry and, and start drawing near to the God of all control. And when you do that, you will give up your control. You want to be more just? Man, I don't feel like justice is a big part of the way that I live. Well, well, lean into the God of justice. You want to love better? Well, spend time with the one who loves perfectly. You want to live the life of, of a joyful servant? Be near to the greatest servant who's ever lived, Jesus. And we get so stuck on the ends and we forget the means and the means of us being transformed is to be about the business of the one who does the transforming. Spend time with Jesus and you will be changed. Fruitfulness, it's, it's not an option. It's not an, it's not an optional add-on to faithfulness. It's the result, and it shows up in two ways. I'll just hit on these really quickly. One, we get to assess the fruit. So you get to look inside, and you get to evaluate. This is an encouragement for you to observe the fruit of faithfulness. This isn't just a beat down today. (laughs) This isn't an invitation to know how bad you are and to put your head down and just be motivated by condemning guilt. That's, that's not what this is. It's an opportunity for you to look around and, and you might be surprised to know that the Spirit is already at work in you. And there's already being uh, fruit that's, that's being grown through you already. So look inside, look at your life. And maybe even say, man, where was I you know, five years ago, two years ago in my walk with the Lord? And gosh, it's not perfect, but it does look a little different. So you get to assess, right? God is surely at work in, in many ways that you're not aware, but, but for others, maybe this is a warning. And you get to say, you know what? I'm not sure what type of tree I even am because there's nothing in me that wants to live for the glory of Jesus. Then you get to say, well, that's, that's not the best place to be. So you get to look inside. You get to work that out with others. You get to work that out with the Lord himself. And the second thing is, pursue the vine. Like, I didn't hear any hiccups (laughs) when I asked you to hiccup. And so what we get to do is pursue Jesus. Like, you're not going to magically live a life that's conformed to the image of Jesus apart from him. The call isn't to bear fruit. The call is to draw near. And you can do that right here, right now or wherever you are. It's more than just knowledge of. It's, it's, it's knowing him and walking with him. It's not like you looked up the, the Wikipedia page of your favorite celebrity and, and you, you got all the information that you could. That's not what we get to do. That's not what waiting through this book is. It's not a Wikipedia page. The, the invitation is to walk with him like a friend. Not the celebrity that you you know everything about, but you don't know them at all. He, he calls us friends, which makes me a bit uncomfortable. And yet, that's what he says. So the second thing is this. The fruitful life is the fulfilled life. See, motivations in why we do what we do, why we Do what we do as it relates to walking with Jesus, they're a huge factor. Like, like why do we do what we do matters? Some, as we talked about, never trust Jesus at all. You never come to the place to where you want to live your life in response to what he has done, right? And some some try to follow Jesus and and they find him as as a gate that you walk through, and like, oh, thank God for Jesus and for grace. But now I'm on my own. And like the gate is back there and Jesus is back there. And thanks for your help to get me in. I'm in. But now, my goodness, I need to tie my shoes, strap on my backpack and like it's go time. How's that working out? Some try to do right things for wrong reasons. Looks kind of like moralism. It's doing good for goodness sake. Some try to do right things for unknown reasons, or, or some just go through your entire life going through the motions of what you think a life in Jesus looks like. And you do that detached from the Christ of life altogether. I am almost two seasons in to the show Lost. No spoilers. (laughs) It came out like in 1978 or something like that. I'm not through, and so normally I'm the one that's subject to give spoilers today. It's the other way around. So I'm going to talk about something that probably has an end, but I don't know the end yet. The show Lost A plane crashes, and they're on an island. They figure stuff out. And you figure it out with them. They find this hatch. They climb down this thing. And there's, like, this underground place with, like, computers. Well, it's a lot like this, actually. (laughs) Oh, gosh. You guys are like, I think this is the hatch. Yeah. It's what the website says. I, I don't know. Yeah, it does look like this, a little smaller. So there's like, I think, I think there's like a video playing that like sets up this thing, and and here's what the people know that they have to do. There's this countdown clock, and the clock can't get to zero, because if so, well, we don't know what will happen, but you just can't let it get to zero. So they tell them the numbers that they have to type in, and these numbers are, this is what it looks like, 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 32, that's not true, it's 42, it's 42. They do that, hit execute, the clock resets, then we're good to go for another whatever it is, some amount of hours. And then when the clock gets down again, you know what they do? Four, eight, 15, 16, 23, 42, execute. It resets. And there are some tense moments. You push it. No, you push it. we got to get to the thing, right? And there's like, uh, it starts going a little faster, some sirens. Like, you're what is... They don't know why they do that. They don't know what if they didn't do that. Um, but they do it devotedly... See, our life in Jesus, it can't be like that. And if you felt like waking up today, Sunday, gosh, I wish I had one more day in the weekend, but I get up early again, come, sit in the basement, hear a guy talk for some hours, sing some songs together. At least it's the Super Bowl night. And then Monday we get up. You do the thing, maybe you open your Bible, it looks like this, 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42, execute. (sighs) Go throughout your day, dinner, it's dinner time, kids gather, hey, who's going to pray? We pray, you know what that looks like, 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42, execute, and you do that your entire life. And you you think Jesus came to this earth and died, rose from the grave, invited you into eternal life, forgiveness of sins, the fullness of life. You thought he did that? So you can go about your day pushing six numbers in the execute key? Your life in Christ is much, much, much more than that. And and what Jesus is telling us in John 15 is he's showing us that your life in Christ, it doesn't have to be that way. It shouldn't be that way. And because Christ is faithful to the extent that his people follow him, stay near to him, abide in him, is the degree to which we can be faithful and fruitful and even fulfilled in the fullness of life. I can't stress this enough about our life in Jesus, about our life near to him. Following Jesus, it isn't a second-rate life. It isn't, oh, man, I get to sit here and just like, this is so hard. But everyone else, they have all the fun, and they get all the cool things, and they make all the money, and they do all the things. But look at me, faithful and fruitful and fulfilled. Look at me. That's not it. That is not the life that he's inviting us into. It's the fullness of life on earth as we wait for eternal life where this earth passes away and the new one comes. Everything that we strive for through the means of this world, success and greatness and and financial stability or comfort of life, early retirement, it's it's all seashells. Maybe you've heard John Piper talk about seashells before, and he says it like this. He says, he contrasts these two people and he says, these two women, it's been a long time, but basically, these two women they're older, like maybe in their 90s, and they're they're going on like missionary journeys, and I think they like get killed or something crazy. Car crash, tragedy. Wrong, he said. That's not a tragedy. So they were devoted to Jesus their whole life and they were pouring their life out in his name, and they died. That's not a tragedy. He said, You know what's a tragedy? That, that the American way is that, that we set our life up for early retirement and, and that the best thing that we could possibly do is to, to have our spouse with us and to be whatever age we are and to wake up and walk on the beach and collect seashells. That's the tragedy. Seashells. It's quite a contrast. All of our striving for the fullness of life through this world, success and greatness and money and, and early retirement and, and seashells and true love and a great name and bigger and better and newer and nicer in the fountain of youthfulness and popularity or power or followers, it's all grass that withers and flowers that fade, but what the Lord establishes lasts forever and is the abundant life. All those things, fine. They're seashells. Don't live your life as if that's the highest prize. If I could just, no more work, no more striving, wake up, walk out the door onto the sandy beaches and pick up seashells, and tomorrow we get to do it again. That's the tragedy. Faithful, fruitful, and fulfilled Living shows up a certain way and Jesus gives a window into how the faithful life is the fruitful life and the fruitful life is the fulfilled life and I'm going to kind of just speed through this. I'm going to read this all together, um, the back half of this and then we're just kind of going to hit on five things that, that help us see this. I'm going to start in verse 7. It says, If you abide in me These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you Friends, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Which is so awesome, behind the scenes into the kingdom. You did not choose me, I, choose, uh, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he may give it to you. You, you didn't find God. God found you. You didn't choose him. He chose you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Five real quick things. The fulfilled life means that we get to participate in prayer that matters. <laughs> Whatever you ask, it will be listened to to and, and acted upon for the glory of God. Last week, uh, or a couple weeks ago, Pastor Scott was preaching and, and it said something similar, like ask whatever you want and it's given to you. And, and we didn't know what that means, but, but I think what Scott essentially said was, it doesn't mean that you're granted a genie named Jesus. That's what we know that it doesn't mean. What does it mean? Well, well it seems to, to, what, what seems to drip from these words is that when the word is in us, When we're abiding in him and the word is abiding in us, then we are conformed as children of God's glory in our asks. The things that we pray for, they're related to his glory more than our own welfare. Even our prayers are conformed in the things that that actually matter. And and that is the most life-giving place God's people can be. So here's what it means. It means you get to pray about Everything. Pray about your troubles and your needs, and we're instructed to do all of that. Like, lean into him because he cares for you. But also, let your abiding in Christ conform your life so that your prayers are about God's glory. What a sweet thing. That's a fulfilled life. Not a me-centered life. You're dust from the ground but a life that's oriented and orbits around the God of all glory. The second thing is God is glorified. We read that if if we could fight through the clouds of this world and not be drawn or distracted by all that glitters and shines, we would behold and live from this truth that also Piper, that, that God is most glorified when we are most satisfied. Just just think about that for a second, that God is most glorified when we are most satisfied. And I think the invitation to the fulfilled life is just the flip as well. That we are also most satisfied when we live our lives for God to be most glorified. The third thing, or C, the fullness of joy. I mean, he invites us into a life that's that is the fullness of joy. In verse eleven, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. If there's a prayer that I prayed for myself, my my wife, my kids, you more than any other prayer, it's this: that we might live the fullness of joy through Christ alone. Because the beauty of that is that it's not built on whether I win or lose or get all the things or, or all the money or none of the money. It's, it's, it's not built on, you know, uh, th- this is the key to overcoming a life of prosperity and plenty that can lead to complacency. Or it's the key to overcoming the impoverished life of, of the poor and the needy where you have nothing it's, it's the key to overcoming both of those things that, that we get to live the fullness of joy that we might live through Jesus, through his joy in us, and that that joy may be full through us. The fourth thing, D, sacrificial love is displayed. He says it all over here. But he essentially says, no greater love is this than, than someone laid down his life for his friend's. And he calls us his friends. He didn't lay down his life because we're buddies. We were enemies. He laid down his life to invite us to be his friends. Friends with the Lord. It's unbelievable. And and all these themes that keep continuing, like love as I have loved, and, and how has he loved? He's loved through action that he laid down his life for us. And he did that through the incarnation that he came out of. The, the richness of, of eternal heaven and he dwelt among us and he experienced pain and suffering. But also he did that when, when he laid down his life and he's getting ready to do that in John in just just a few pages. He lays down his life. He will die a brutal death so that, so that we don't have to experience the wrath of God. He does that for us. And the last thing is we get to live as friends of God. See, when I think about the greatness of God, it's easy to go places like galaxies and the farthest expanses of the knowable creation, but in Christ, all of that, the fullness of God, was pleased to dwell among us. He calls us friends. And kind of I, I summarize all of that with a word from David Crayklow. He says this: all this is his initiative a glorious reminder of my security in Christ. I do not need to bear fruit to abide in Christ, for I am already in him. I bear fruit because I am in him. My righteousness is in Christ. It is not a works-based righteousness. Don't be fooled. Life in Christ isn't a... A black and white silent film but it's a prism of color and HD sound that is the fullest version of life that could ever be lived so what we get to do get to draw near to him and find the abundant life, the band can come up and I just want to hit you with three real quick for those who are like just tell me what to do these, these are three things that you should do draw near to Jesus now like right now. This is, this is the beginning of it. You're, you're the Lord and I'm not. Jesus, can I know you? Can we, can we live life together? Will you show me the way? Secondly, walk humbly with him on purpose. What that means is that, that if you were cultivating a friendship or a relationship, you would prioritize that relationship. And what Jesus is saying in all this abiding language and all this is, be intentional to make me part of your life. And lastly, be mindful of him always. Which means that even in the parts of your life that you didn't plan, that you'll interact with today, you're sitting in a room full of people or a room by yourself. Man, abiding in him looks like being mindful that you are never alone. That he is always near. Man, we get to respond to all of this. We get to uh, sing with the band in just a minute, but, but I encourage you to sit right where you are. If, if that's what you're comfortable with, stand up and sing. Uh, there's a prayer bench over there. If you just want some, some space to yourself just to kneel down and pray, there's someone by that red tree back there They would love to pray with you, right? If you are in Christ and all this is like, yes, this is a reminder of what Jesus has done for me, that, that he laid down his life, that his body was broken, that his blood was spilled, so that mine wouldn't have to be, then we invite you to take communion. You don't have to be a member here. You just need to be a part of the family of God by faith alone. And this is an, an invitation to remember and to celebrate, to declare the goodness of Jesus. And we do that by taking the bread and the juice as a remembrance of who he is. We encourage you to reflect, repent, and respond however the Spirit would lead you today. God, thank you for your work in and through and among us. Thank you for the invitation to draw near to you. Would you let us be people that don't go through life condemned by guilt for for all the things that we haven't done, that we haven't gotten uh, book deals, and and we haven't uh, transformed the nations with our words or with our lives or with anything that we do? God, but we get to be faithful, and you get to make us fruitful. And when we do that, you lead us into the fullness of life. What a gift. In Jesus' name, amen.